everybody. Welcome to Tuning Fork. It's a podcast about music and the Pitchfork Media hype machine. I'm David. I'm Matt. I'm Charlie. It's Charlie. We have a guest named Charlie, and uh, they are here to uh, talk about um, something that I had actually never listened to before this week. What is it? Um, it is Fevers and Mirrors by Bright Eyes. It was released in the year 2000. So we're going back two decades, if you can, if you believe time is real. I don't. Yeah, but. this is going way back to the point where I think modern day Pitchfork uh, just starts like keeping track of the old reviews. Right. And it's also a, a pre-Best New Music time. So even if the initial review was a good one, uh, which it was not, uh, <laughs> uh, it would it would not have had the, the Best New Music designation regardless, because I believe that started in like 2002 or 2003. Yeah, I think so. I should know um, this by now, but I don't. <laughs> I'm content uh, with Charlie. not Pitchfork history. Anyway, I'm just going to yes. just pop a quick beeb open. Oh, good plan. I, I already popped mine, unfortunately, so I can't get that on the recording this time. Um, uh, excuse me, <laughs> uh, uh, Matt always pops a podcast beer uh, oh, to, directly to, into my to get in the mood. Yeah. That's great. And you but just dunk, it, you dunk your microphone into it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> um, all I have is uh, 365 electrolyte water, so... Sorry to disappoint, I guess. Sounds fucking sick. Yeah, it's fine. But yeah, we, we have a we have an album with the two Pitchfork reviews this week, which are always fun ones, because uh, we get to look at both reviews and kind of compare and contrast them. Um, this one is interesting in that, just as like aesthetic descriptions of the album go, they both basically say the same things, but one of the reviewers says, I hate this, and the other one says, but it's good, actually. <laughs> um, I really do love that. Um also, both I think both reviewers like uh, like the initial reviewer is twenty when Connor Oberst was twenty, and I believe when Ian Cohen was reviewing this, he was the same age as Connor Oberst, or at least he says something to that effect in the review. So like late thirties. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. For some really fun age context, when this album came out, I was three. I always forget okay. that you're baby. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little tiny baby. Um, so I, I was eleven, and I think Matt was nine. I had the immense. Uh, if, if it came out before October, I was eight, but otherwise I was nine. Okay. Um, I had yeah. the immense pleasure of going through basically all of my childhood and teen years with bright eyes being like <laughs> present and available to me. Um, so some would say that's why I'm like this. Um, and my mom actually introduced me to bright eyes when I was in fifth grade. Oh boy! So buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited personally. Um, I, yeah, I, I had f always had friends who were into Bright Eyes, um, and I'd heard a lot about them, like, how they were an indie folk outfit, uh, and they were, like, one of the first ones that I was kind of aware of. I just never really, like, dipped in there. And it was always really funny when people referred to them as emo, because emo as a genre is just so far removed from what uh, Connor was making. It right. honestly, it honestly cracks me up to hear Bright Eyes in any kind of like musical genre designation that isn't just the word sad, because it's <laughs> yeah. really, it's really hard to remove like the overwhelming, dramatic melancholy in everything he makes uh, from the music enough to give it any kind of genre designation based off like the instrumentals. <laughs> Even just based on the yeah, based on the instrumentals, and you go through with go through the lyrics on a listen, and you make the cinema sins ding sound every time he does a reference to suicide, which is a lot of times. <laughs> there's like a there's like a shot clock. So every, yeah, exactly. Every time he says like 
like pills, fevers, mirrors, water, or alludes to suicide on this album, um, we all take an imaginary shot and we would die by the second song. Easily. Yeah, it's the clock clock. He, <laughs> so my, like, something that cracked me up, because um, I've never really gone through this album with, like, a fine-tooth comb. Bright Eyes has always kind of been something I, like, throw on when I'm in a mood, like, every other day, or yeah. I'll just, like, put their whole discography on shuffle, or I'll listen to my Bright Eyes 101 playlist, which is uh, beautifully curated, if I must say. Um, and so it's, like, I don't really go album by album with them anymore, just because right. I'm past that point um so going through this like having the lyrics up and really taking the time to like sit and listen to this after so many years of not really doing that with this specific album was hilarious because i got to see it from like my teenage point of view and my current adult point of view um and i feel like i am both of these reviews (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's very he's very dramatic in a way that like I feel like a lot of people don't manage in a way that sounds as like simultaneously severe, uh, like sincere, but also like, you know, kind of aware of his overwrought. own ass he is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think the best way to describe that is like, you know, theatrically corny. Yeah. In the way that only a person who is 19 when he's recording the album can be. Right. Or like Gerard Way. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I, yeah. I, I feel like they have a lot in common in that way. Although, like, like, Gerard Way is obviously more theater kid in both his energy and the way he sounds. Right. Yeah. Um, But just in, like, the complete over-the-topness of the way he writes everything. I feel like... obviously the jock. Kind of similar, yeah. I feel like when I was listening to this album, I... (laughs) Like, reading the lyrics and listening to it and just thinking about, you know, like, being that age three years ago and, like... Just, like, having all those pieces together and putting my full attention to them. I'm looking at this and, like, one of my most prevalent thoughts through all of this was just, like, aren't you tired? Like, aren't you tired of talking about this? Like, I get it. Big feelings. But, like, man, (laughs) I wouldn't be able to write this much about the same, like, three subjects. Yeah. The the original review gave it a 5.4. I don't think we'd touched on the scores yet. And the reissue in 2012 got a 9.0. So it's not quite that. as big a spread as uh, as the Bell and Sebastian album, which was like 0.8 and 8.4 or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or, or then our uh, eventual Andrew WK review will be. Yeah. Hopefully we can spread. get Hopefully we can get Andrew himself on for that one. I'd love to. I, I, I will try. <laughs> but yeah. Gotta so- shoot your shot. <laughs> the the fevers and mirrors uh, the initial review is by taylor m clark um i actually don't know how much he wrote for the site so i'm, I'm gonna do this live i'm just clicking it yeah oh clicking his name just brings up the masthead so i, I assume it wasn't very much yeah maybe before uh maybe before the new site launched oh yeah yeah for sure for sure um there's probably a few back in the in archive.org that you could find he and probably yeah, wrote he's... this. He probably wrote this, and then like Bright Eyes fans descended on him, and he has never been heard <laughs> from again. Yeah, they just enveloped him like a cloud, carried him. I away. mean, there wasn't really like social media yet. Where were they going to do that? Um, probably at a Bright Eyes uh... show where they all like pool their collective <laughs> sadness to make a huge gray cloud to go find Taylor Clark and suck him into the abyss. Yeah, he got canceled in real life. <laughs> That's what we call death now is real life cancel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just real life canceling. <laughs> Perma cancel. Yeah. 
But yeah, it, it, it pulls a lot into like, wow, the, the instruments and the production sound good, which like, yeah, Mike Mogus does a good job. He's just a consummate professional. Uh, the, the place where I'm most familiar with his, his production work, uh, since I never really listened to oh, that much Jenny Lewis solo stuff and barely any Bright Eyes, is actually from uh, the stateside debuts, uh, the debut and the follow-up from uh, First Aid Kit, if you remember that, uh, okay. that particular outfit who were originally well we, we talked about them on like one of our most recent episodes because they did their their big breakout in the u.s was doing a cover of a fleet foxes song on youtube yeah yeah, uh, yeah. And yeah they and did like they did two albums uh with mike mogus producing yeah he also produced um the first two albums by she and him which yeah. were uh like w- which were things that like got the uh the indie press talking but never really i feel like made a huge impact she and him are very much just a product of where, like, indie music was in, like, the late aughts. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's just kind of, it's very it's very much just a time capsule. Whereas, like, this album doesn't feel as much like a time capsule of, like, 2000. Like, I didn't remember 2000 very much, you know, because I was a youth. Yeah, for but, me, 2000 like, was all about Eiffel 65, Blue Dabba Dee Dabba Die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for um, me, it was various songs by The Offspring. There you go. Um, Breaking out due to a Fleet Foxes song on YouTube, like, immediately reminded me of those two people who did the, like, How to Make an Alt-J song where they were just eating rice cakes and, like, <laughs> yeah. mashing a keyboard. They actually have a band now, and it's not bad. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. They, they, I mean, they had a band when they made the video, too, I, although I don't think they'd have had very much out at the time. Yeah, but yeah I think I'm they very have, like, glad that they managed songs. to leverage that. They have, like, a really well-made music video, and, like, they've fleshed out their sound a lot more, and they've, like, grown up a little bit. I don't know. They're pretty good. They're called Fleece. Oh, yeah. They 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 looked like they were about 18 and 20 when they made that video. Yeah. Yeah, if even that. Um, what a good video. <laughs> so, are we ready to get into the album, then? I think so. Yeah, let's get into it. All right. First, we have uh, a spindle, comma, a darkness, comma, a fever, comma, and a necklace. Because you don't depend upon all the shit that I use to loves to make lists in these albums. He sure does. He also leans like super heavy into the motifs to the point that he just lists them and then writes directly about them, which is cute. (laughs) Yeah, that is like most of the motifs of this album in that one title, huh? I think I would venture to say that 90% of them are just straight up listed in the song titles or the album title. The only... One that might not be is just the word pills somewhere, but I think everything else is like explicitly laid out beforehand. Does he have the word scale in any of the song titles? Because I know they mentioned he mentions scales a lot. Oh, he might not. That might be another one. But he's yeah. got the fever covered. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Yes, he does. An attempt, to, uh, an attempt to tip the scales. Yes. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. How could I forget? Yeah. Uh, um. This the, opens... the title of this, which is the, the, the title of this, the, the list uh, title of this reminds me of that old Last FM tag, uh, a campfire and a tent and a flashlight and some matches and a tree and that river and my glasses and a spaceship and a really, really big bear. But the bear is really, really far away. 
Ah, uh, last FM tags. What a classic time. I was just thinking about the uh, the tag that was on Sleigh Bells when they debuted, which was I hope she showed this to her fifth grade class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like um, Alexis like Krauss, this, the the fifth grade teacher. The same energy as like old Fallout Boy song titles. Yeah, I mean, like, it really does do seem that. like Fallout Boy, like Bright Eyes walked so Fallout Boy could do whatever the hell they're doing. They're doing yeah. something. They're Still, sure doing something. So, <laughs> the song starts with um, a, like a tape recording of a kid doing like oral reading uh, out of a book, and I feel like indie bands in the two thousands were really into using like samples of old tape recordings just as atmosphere. Um, it kind of <laughs> it sounds like a cryptic ransom note, but it is actually <laughs> uh, it's a book from the seventies called Mitchell is Moving, which is about a dinosaur who is moving. It's really the illustration is delightful. I did look this up. I do love yeah, to know I've never heard of it. It looks cute. I, I really like um, 70s children's books. I like go hunt them sometimes from antique stores and take them home. So now I need to look for this one. Yeah. It's I, a, wonder, it I wonder if Schaefer from the HKIP Discord knows about that one. Maybe. Um, Connor immediately sounds like he's trying to sing quietly to himself while crying. That's just kind mm-hmm. of the energy he comes in with. Is <laughs> like, I'm already crying, but I'm going to sing you a song now. Yeah, this is like the primary Connor O'Burst voice that I'm aware of. There's a couple of different Connor voices on this album, but the one where he's crying and his voice seems to shake a bit, <laughs> that's the one that I'm more familiar with. Yeah. Like, I think I got that's it. Exactly that's exactly Yeah, it you definitely there. got it. You did. There's um, a lot of there's a lot of mouth sounds. He's not afraid to leave the breathing in. Oh my he's god, just... yeah, he sounds so wet. He has the wettest mouth I've ever heard. <laughs> He's right up on that mic mm-hmm. the whole time. Um, so all of, like, the lyrics to every single one of these songs are so dense that they kind of read like poetry. Um, and I don't always mean that as a compliment, but 15-year-old mm-hmm. me definitely would have. Um, I ended up just, like, pulling some lines that I thought were either really dramatic or really funny because there's... yeah. You know, that's really the only way to differentiate them. If I tried to pull everything that was sad, I would just be writing down all the lyrics. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But some that I really like. that's what we have liked. our good for. It's true. Right. Um, so some of the wild ones were like, uh, language just happened. It was never planned. And it's inadequate to describe where I am. And you're like, okay, that's kind of deep. I get it. Connor's talking about how like, you know, maybe nothing divine created people. Cool, cool. And then he goes... Uh, where I am in the room of my house where the light's never been waiting for this day to end. And it's like, okay, you were waxing poetic basically to say, like, I'm miserable and alone and my room is dark and I just want to go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) Don't we all? Honestly, I relate to this album um, in a myriad of ways during the, the period of this year that we call 2020. It's been a hell of a year, huh? Yeah, I think Bright Eyes is probably uh, appropriate for it this time. It's really like psychedelic uh, imagery. Um, it it's almost like uh, el- like Elephant Six level of uh, kind of metaphor here, um, mm-hmm. but it's also extremely easy to pick out what he's talking about. I feel yeah, like he- Connor. W- I feel like Connor was definitely listening to a lot of Neutro Milk Hotel. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Like um, it doesn't come across in like the in like the audio. It doesn't come across in the way it sounds in the production. Um, but I think it comes across in the way he does lyrics. So Ian, Ian Cohen's review, the second one that was uh, a nine, 
He mentioned that Letting Off the Happiness, which is Bright Eyes' like first uh, like official studio album, mm-hmm. is in parentheses his on Avery Island to Fever's In the Aeroplane Over the Sea. And mm-hmm. that comparison <laughs> is like very spot on to me. And I had never like drawn those lines there before, but now that I have, it's like all I can all I can think about. Yeah, it's a lot of like writing from the perspective of himself, but also the perspective of a character that's basically himself. Yeah, um, which I of course, like you know, that comes up a lot more later. But I wouldn't I, say I, I, that uh, Fevers and Mirrors is as like conceptually tight or as um, like maybe well written or as iconic as uh, Aeroplane Over the Sea. But as far as like where they both were in their careers and how their writing shifted, I I get it. Um, yeah. However, I I don't want people to be like, why are you calling Fevers and Mirrors Aeroplane Over the Sea? Because I'm not. <laughs> right. I can I, I can see like the the comparison can be invited, but it isn't necessarily it's not one to one. No, no. It's like like on their own respective timelines, yes. However, when you put them up against each other, not as much. Yeah. I like some of the the choices of uh, of imagery that he goes with, like like beading a necklace out of sweat. You know, using the two different words of bead and yeah, like, I like waves that. of chords crashing against the shore, waves water, waves sound. You know, it's it's very like poetry one hundred and one kind of metaphor, but it yeah. works for me, um, especially because of like the basically kind of adolescent emotion spraying that he's doing in this song. Yeah, he gets I think- the drug references going right away. <laughs> you you don't depend upon all the shit that I use to make my moods improve. See, like that's the exact type of line that like fifteen year old me would be like, "Oh my god, Connor, you're so deep, you're so right." But then twenty <laughs> three year old me is like, "Okay, buddy, we've all tried Zoloft. Like, I get it." <laughs> um, should we go on to track two then? A scale, a mirror, and those indifferent clocks. Except when she cried, they were red And now I know a disease that these doctors can't treat You contract on the day, you accept all you see Is a mirror, and a mirror is all it can be A reflection of something we're missing And language just happens Oh yeah. Hell yeah. Good track too, I think. It's it's starting to get a little more uh, musically upbeat, like not lyrically, but like it blazes through uh, like a couple of paragraphs in just over, uh, just over like a minute and a half. It's a lot of words in a very short amount of time. Um, to me, it kind of sounds like a sad, like a sad clown dancing around the circus. But <laughs> we're all the clown. <laughs> yeah, we are all the clown. It's the more, it's, this is the more energetic Connor. I can't, I don't quite have this one down pat. Where he starts um, singing a little louder, but he still sounds like he's crying and like. It's <laughs> like he's crying, but he's also trying to like drive really fast because he's late to work. It also is like, he sounds like he's a little out of breath, like very, um, it's, it's kind of like, um, modest mouse guy getting chased by a hose. Yeah. He, he kind of has that same affect in that he's, it's a lot of, a lot of short breaths. And uh, he doesn't seem to be keeping up with them because his emotions are coming out so hard. You know, um, he he also does the double tracking vocals on this track a bit, um, which I think doesn't sound very good. Yeah, yeah, I think that decision was definitely a, a choice that he made for the song, or that uh, Mike made. Who knows? <laughs> true. His voice, um, his voice in this is like 
to me sounding halfway between how he was in the first track and uh, like how Theo Hilton from Nana Grizzle sounds when he really gets going. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I can yeah. see that. Um, this is the song where Connor likes to talk about God and the genius annotations for the line, now I know a disease that these doctors can't treat, you contract on the day you accept all you see. Uh, mm-hmm. A very smart person wrote in the genius annotations, the disease is dot, 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 two paragraph spaces, life in italics. <laughs> I love okay. that. You you say that, and yet you'd neglect to mention that he also puts a uh, a gif of Dr. Manhattan from the Watchmen movie at the bottom <laughs> of it, uh, saying, I can change almost anything, but I can't change human nature. Dr. Manhattan wrote these genius annotations. Oh, absolutely. He was yeah. trying to understand human emotion. He decided, I guess I'll check out this, uh, this Bright Eyes album. Uh, I have bright <laughs> eyes. Who watches the bright eyes? Who watches um, the bright eyes? Connor also says uh, language just happened. It wasn't planned. Um, and he goes on this like waxing poetic rant about how like God didn't make the earth. It just kind of happened. And then he ends it with uh, in the room of my house where the light's never been waiting for this day to end. So he ends all of that by saying God made me. I am God's biggest mistake and I want to go to bed. Which <laughs> me too. What what I want to know, um, like I I, I kind of understood like the first track instrumentally, but my thought on this one when I got to the end of it was, what led up to this nineteen year old meeting this producer and getting like this super lush sounding instrumentation on this album? Like I I didn't take the time to look it up, uh, otherwise I would have more to say here. But that just was a question to me. Um, I don't know how exactly this album came to fruition, but I know that Connor spent basically his whole youth like from the time he was uh even a barely appropriate age to be like going to shows and playing music and like putting it out publicly so probably like 12 13 he made his own Mm -hmm. band and started just like immersing himself in like the nebraska music scene because he lived in omaha which i guess is the best place to be for a nebraska music scene um and he was just like he had like a high school band. He would go to all these shows. He was like making these connections as like a kid. Um, yeah. So it kind of, um, in that context, I guess it makes a little bit more sense that he would just kind of be setting up all these stepping stones for like all of his adolescence to lead him to like this great producer to make this like great album right after letting off the happiness. Right. It's um, like what happened to, uh, it's like what happened to Ben Queller, uh, another, uh, indie singer who got started when he was like 12 yeah it could not be me i was playing neopets at 12 yeah i guess <laughs> mike, mike mogus is like a member of the band as well okay as, a, as oh. of letting off the happiness so he he does like he's a multi-instrumentalist he probably plays a lot of the instruments that you're hearing so he basically got started producing for bright eyes then yeah it seems like that um like his credits list for uh letting off the happiness is like twice as long as connor's as oh far God. as instruments go <laughs> um letting so, yeah, off the that, happiness that, that tracks is that great. tracks um i honestly like letting off the happiness i think better than this album i i like that it sounds like connor kind of threw it into a dumpster and like shoved it through <laughs> some trash and then was like hey it's lo-fi now um i do I really like albums it. that sound bad like yeah, that's, it's like, that's it's a thing a lot about more, me it's a lot more like screaming connor a lot more like angry it's way less like warbly um, yeah. which is a word that I have in my notes probably like a hundred times yeah. while I was writing about this album is <laughs> warbly. Um, 
See, I do like yelling, Connor. Um, I don't think we get enough of it on this album, although it is on like two or three tracks at least. He also he also has uh, Desaparecidos, which is his like super political. Um, I don't know if it's just him. It might be, or it might be a band. I really don't know. But they, I think they put out like one album. It's where he puts like all of his political rage that isn't quite as poetic. Um, because he kind of dips into that in Bright Eyes as well, and he always has, but Desaparecidos is, like, pretty much a, a political leftist punk band, and it's sick. Yeah. Nice. My, my two favorite, uh, adjectives that Pitchfork reviewers like to use, uh, to refer to indie singers are warbling and bleeding. <laughs> um, the original reviewer, Taylor Clark, called him hypothermic. <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> Yeah. Again, maybe, it's very much like he's right. He's but right, it's but it's good. good actually. It's good actually. He's right, but we actually love to hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a sound that we like. <laughs> I do, personally. Also, God, I didn't even realize a scale, a mirror, and those indifferent clocks. Yeah, th- there's another scale in the title. Yep. He kind of got yep. through all of them in the first two tracks, just in their oh, titles. Yeah. Yeah. Um Also every time every time he says mirror in this album, he says it as uh, one syllable, just yeah. mirror. Mirror. <laughs> mirror. He's actually um, talking about the, the Russian space station. <laughs> <laughs> He's talking, that's his nickname for his friend Vladimir. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> who is on the Russian space station. <laughs> he misses yeah. him. Um, mirror from mirror. This next title I thought was really snappy as a teen. It's the calendar hung itself. This one sounds like a pirate musical. Yeah. It does. It sounds. Uh, it's proto it sounded to me. Yeah, Decemberus. <laughs> and it also sounded like uh, like Arcade Fire to me. Like it sounded almost the exact same as uh, Neighborhood Number no. 3 Power Out. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, can, I can hear that. I can yeah. hear that. But of course, this, like, this, this predated those both. Yeah, I don't know if it predated like, the De- Decemberus entirely, but it definitely predates their popular output. Wynn Butler even, is definitely a Connor Oberst fan. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about Decemberus and this song. Um, but Decemberus are basically also just one big pirate musical. Mm-hmm. It's true. And we love yeah, it. Yeah, and they slap. They do slap. We love to hear the pirates. It's like you're at Disneyland, but it's free. Yeah. <laughs> All music is free, don't you know? <laughs> um, this is another sad song about wanting to die because a girl doesn't love him. I think. That's kind this of, one, kind this of hard one, to tell. This one is the more, like, incel anthem vindictive version of that, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, almost every single line of this album does have an annotation on Genius, so we could just read the entire thing and know exactly what the song is about, because everyone on Genius is always correct. Always objectively correct. But no, I, I, I feel like it works in that context um, as much as, like, you know incel male rage towards rejection is you know one played out and two just like you know not great to hear in 2020 i think uh the way that he like kind of goes into the the frame of this like basically character that he's playing in this song uh works really well 
uh, he has like a kind of like a, a rising bile in his throat. You can really feel like the like the sarcasm and vindictiveness that he's trying to put forth. And this is yeah, why I, feel... I prefer this is why I prefer yelling Connor to to warbly to warbly quiet Connor. I feel like he um, manages for the most part to capture that kind of like a girl broke my heart and left me without like entirely blaming her in the lyrics. It seems like he's mostly like, yeah, I'm a piece of shit and I'm sad. Which like if yeah. you're gonna if you're gonna do that played out borderline incel cliche at least blame yourself for the sake of the listeners who are not men <laughs> and i appreciate yeah, that and also also just like he's he's b- mostly focusing is like is he good enough right. is he doing these things that i would do they're not like i hate you specifically your um various slurs you know like pop punk was doing at the time right yeah he, um, he, he avoided do... that that little that little trap so Give I can, we can give him some props for that one. I do really like that Genius took um, <laughs> "You Are My Sunshine" and annotated it to explain the song "You Are My Sunshine, My Only Sunshine." They're like, "Hey, yeah, um, this is actually like a children's song," um, and he's actually <laughs> uh, singing it into her answering machine, which he says directly. And also, do people not know that song? Yeah, well, I mean, like, not only do people know that song, but specifically singing it into an answering machine, I'm pretty sure is a specific reference. He um, said, "I settle." I for know what happens on the Simpsons, but every time that I think something is a reference to the Simpsons, the Simpsons, it's a reference to something that I haven't seen uh, because it's out of my pop culture worldview. Um, yeah, if so I know I, the Simpsons thing, it's usually that the Simpsons were referencing something else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, Marge Simpson sings it into. Lisa's answering machine when she's at the military school. Uh, oh my god! Yeah. Barter at military. See, I I like The Simpsons, but I've never really um, taken a dive deep enough to like watch them regularly and retain those references. Yeah, for, um, for me it was just, like I was just recently reminded of uh, Milhouse's dad, whose name I forget. I'm sorry. Uh, drawing Kurt. dignity, Kurt. Yeah, yeah. Drawing dignity, <laughs> and I think that's maybe the funniest joke that could have ever been made on The Simpsons, and nothing ever really tops that for me, except for yeah. maybe Millpool. Yeah, <laughs> the Van Houtens are a very pathetic family, and there is much comedy to be to be wrung from. I fully. I, I sleep f- in a race car bed. <laughs> I sleep in a big bed with my wife. I fully, oh. uh, I fully plan on getting either a mill, a Millpool or a Dignity tattoo, just to bring us back to the topic of like. Uh, oh yeah, it's got to be Dignity. It's probably yeah. going to be Dignity, yeah. Um, the word Dignity for me is uh, inextricably linked with Mulan when the uh, the matchmaker does that thing with her fingers and draws the mustache on her face. Oh dignity. <laughs> um, again, that was buried deep in my gray matter, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, this You're whole welcome. this whole song is really heavily annotated, but it's mostly saying like what you can probably glean if you've ever like read poetry or listened to a song and tried to understand it. Is basically like Connor is sad. He like looks for this girl that left him and other women and only sees her and is angry about it and is sad. And that's that's the gist of it. Um I do like that in this song he sings she had eyes bright enough to burn me. They reminded me of yours and all I wrote there was, hey, like the band name. Like the band name. I, was, <laughs> I literally pogged when I heard that. I made the pog yeah. champ face, IRL. <laughs> I, I, was yeah. also, um, I was also doing uh, Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the TV. Yeah. That yeah. specific meme. Yeah. Yep, that's the one This is an audio medium. <laughs> <laughs> we love to, to verbally explain what memes look like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's- 
it's you, Connor. You're the American psycho. <laughs> Look, if I could make an image pop up in someone's podcasting app, I would do it. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know how to make that happen. One day. Yeah, I'll, I'll figure out how to uh, put that meme into the spectrogram of this podcast. Yeah, exactly. We'll pull an Aphex twin. It'll we sound could just like, like shit, but it'll work. We could just like send out like a little mailer to everyone who subscribed and be like, okay, turn to page four where you will see a picture of Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the television. <laughs> if our art wasn't so good, I'd say just make it the episode image. But our art's good, so. <laughs> it is good. Who did the pointing at the TV meme? The pointing at the TV meme. DiCaprio? No. <laughs> I am so shocked that that meme is still kicking enough for you to even <laughs> reference it on this podcast currently. I That has to be like a month old. That's like five shelf lives at this point. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's an emoji in our to me. tuning fork. Our, our, our friend Brooks likes to say Kafifi still in the year 2020. So, oh, this I know. I Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well aware of like, this. This is just how we this is how we operate in this sphere. Yeah, it's <laughs> sometimes you're not ready to let go, and that's you know makes it really funny. Um, is there anything uh, else to even say about this specific song? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so either. Uh, moving on to something vague. going on in this one i got big like jack johnson energy from this intro yeah the the accordion was unexpected here but i like it <laughs> if for some reason anyone listening has not already like heard any bright eyes before this is going to be such a fun adventure to be hearing like warbly connor oberst and like accordion and like pirate musical <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it's kind of, it, it's one of the first, uh, like, the earliest albums that I can think of uh, that got, like, really popular while also being musically all over the place. Yeah, it's really, man, it's it's not very cohesive. Like, aside from the really explicit attempt to keep using the same words over and over again as symbolism, it really, like, it's rough. <laughs> he, he wrote all these lyrics during Homeroom. Uh, between <laughs> science class and social studies class. And then went to his friend Tim Casher to play the accordion for him. Yeah. <laughs> um, Just looking at the album credits. The, the, line, the song is is big on the, the urban isolation themes. Yeah, I, the line, as you climb up the stairs to that coffin you call your apartment. Um, I have been there and that feeling is bad. It feels yeah. bad and it is bad. And like coming home and being like, hmm, I don't like where I live is enough to make you write a whole Bright Eyes album. Yeah. Also just living with places that have dark winters. Yeah. We, we understand yeah. this. Mood. We do uh, understand this in the state of Minnesota. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. like, yeah, I, I am currently the most south latitudinally uh, because I am well south of Minneapolis. Yeah. Which is odd Are you because really? Canada. Yeah. Ontario goes very south. Well, yeah, it's like, it's really dark here all the time now. It's, this is my second uh, winter ever. Um, I used to live in San Diego, so this is a really, it's bright eye season for me. 
I'm still yeah. trying. I'm you're, still trying you're to You're lucky to have missed. Uh, you're you're lucky to have missed the winter before that because, who boy, it was a time. Yeah, that That's, was that was polar vortex winter, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it was. Or it one was of the two bad. polar vortex winters. Uh, yeah, I, I remember. The other it one was 2013. Minus, yeah, it reached minus 60 a couple of times. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> Hated um, it. My entire family, because I already, I already had uh, long withstanding plans to move to Minnesota um, while that was happening. I think I actually ended up moving here like the March after Polar Vortex. Um, so we were just like, just barely missed it. And I had every relative who knew that I was moving texting me like, are you sure you still want to move to Minnesota? (laughs) And I'm like, yup, I already uh, have paid my first month's rent and the deposit (laughs) is down. I actually can't back out now. I have also quit my job. So goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, 70 (laughs) degrees. I'm I'm going going into the vortex. I'm going to live in ice hell. Yeah. Um, But you don't really have to pay for heating in this state if you rent an apartment like me, which is pretty sweet. That is nice. Yeah, he's included for us, too. Yeah, because otherwise we'd all die. Anyway, um, Connor Oberson, the song, sounds like he's being constantly tickled, and he's fed up with it. (laughs) (laughs) Again, he's being chased with the hose. Yeah, it's just being chased with the hose core. (laughs) It's Um, one of our favorite genres on Tuning Fork. Yeah. This song actually is, like, pretty... Like, I, I say this about all of them, but this one is pretty, like, desperately sad. Like, oh, this yeah. one, this one's a special... This I think this is the first one um, on the album that is like, oh, this is, like, actually really maybe somewhere beyond, like, teen sadness into adult sadness, and now I am sad right. as an adult. It's like, it's like, like the, the, the fog of, like, a desperate depression following them around. Yeah. It's like, the, it it's like the that's basically what the something vague is, right? <laughs> Yeah. yeah. It gives like, me the same vibe as like the jitters by the dismemberment plan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or it's like, like a lot of uh like dream imagery, but it's not dreaming, mm-hmm. it's like depression, depression, mania, fog. Maybe not mania, more mm-hmm. like depression, depression, fog. Yeah, yeah. It it really just kind of reminds me of um a lot of tracks off of Electroshock Blues by Eels. Um, which is actually brought up in the first review is that a later song on this album just kind of sounds like an Eels song. Um, but for me, it's like <laughs> the part that really reminds me of Eels is just like how like desperate the depression sounds, like how much they managed to convey that, uh, which is something that like uh, that Eels has a gift for and Connor also has for like really yeah, kind of think... just it, like pushing that forward. And that's why this is one of my favorite tracks on the album, too. It's just I, th- I think it really worked. Yeah, I think that this album follows kind of a like a vague timeline of how Connor or his caricature of himself is doing. And mm-hmm. I think this song is kind of the point where he kind of breaks and just kind of surrenders into all of the like like desperate sadness that's kind of been building up maybe more behind the scenes from the yeah. other songs. And like he was kind of angsty before, he was a little angry at the world, a little like upset about his love life, and now he's just kind of sunk into this place where he's like, I am not going to get out of this, and I'm just going to wander around in a sad dream. Sadly, uh, y- you talking about the similarity to Eels made me uh, Google Bright Eyes Shrek, and oh, I good. don't think there's any connection there, Come unlike on. with Eels. E- th- that's why that's why Eels is obviously the better band because there's an Eels song on every Shrek soundtrack. Yeah, I'm glad they that became you Shrek band. Bright Eyes Shrek, though, that's good. That's a good thing to yeah. have in your history. I think we're gonna need someone to just make a quick edit of Connor with uh, Shrek ears and a green face, and uh, just pop that into our mentions real quick. 
Yes. Yeah. I'm going to forget I said this, so it's going to be a fun surprise when it shows up. (laughs) That'll be so silly to see. Uh, Anywho, uh, which one is even next? Uh, Oh, yes. The movement of a hand. this one a lot yeah Um, i do too i like the electric piano oh yeah this is the one that they said sounds like an eels song and i get it yeah yeah um it (laughs) the electric piano i i did my first like taking notes listen through pretty late at night after a very long tiring shift at work uh so i wrote down that it reminds me of the the video of the cat playing the electric keyboard oh the keyboard cat yeah keyboard cat that was the very first image that popped into my mind before any of the words started. So I just what wanted if, to give. What if Keyboard Cat had clinical depression? Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> keyboard um, Cat, but in minor key. Oh God, oh, no. <laughs> um, I we hear like a new Connor voice in this one, where he does some like high soft notes without warbling quite as much. Um, yeah, he's yeah. kind of able to control himself a bit, which I appreciate. That's, that's Eels Connor. Eels Connor. Connor <laughs> Eels burst. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that sounds uncomfortable. <laughs> it's like Alien. Yeah, it's just I don't like, like Alien. It. Um, if there's anything I know about Bright Eyes, is that they did the soundtrack to Alien by Ridley Scott. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, absolutely. Connor Oberst actually played um, the little chess burster. That was him as a baby. <laughs> like the one on the end. Yeah, yeah. That was filmed in Omaha, Nebraska in the early 90s. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you, why, they, that's why John Hurt was never a big Bright Eyes fan. <laughs> it, it wasn't even a set. Omaha just looks like that. Yeah, it does. Um, um, I really like the line in you, lay your head onto my shoulder, pour like water over me. It's it's very evocative in a way that I, I, I really get. Yeah, it's really just it's like kind of like, you know, when you. Yeah, it's very sweet. Which, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of a nice feeling in an ocean of bad feeling. Yeah, it's one of the only, like, Bright Eyes lines in this album that you hear and you're like, oh, that's really nice. That gives me a good feeling. And I can feel <laughs> that good feeling for a moment. Oh, no, what's yeah. that? It's the next line. Yeah, well, it's also just yeah. like, you know, it's a melancholic, like, recalling of that feeling. Yeah, it's you're like, like oh, about... Uh, it's, it's like, you're like, oh, that's nice. And you're like, oh, wait, no, he's he's only recalling this feeling. He doesn't, he doesn't have it right got, now. <laughs> it's like... If any of the lines in this album were to be called a milkshake duck, it would be this one. <laughs> <laughs> like the the imagery of this, uh, like I couldn't put it into words. So all I have written in my notes is the cinematography. <laughs> yeah, the way the way he's like describing the tree lines on the drive. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's nice. You exactly. get, like, it's, it's, a mood, it's a mood piece for sure. I mean, the whole album is yeah. a mood piece, but like, just like that last uh, that last verse of the song works. Starting with the "You lay your head on my shoulder," you get like five, six lines of like happy, good imagery of like him with this person in a car, and he's like, "If I just exist for the next ten minutes of this drive, that would be fine." And you're like, "Oh, that's sweet." 
And then he immediately says, soon all the joy that pours from everything makes fountains of your eyes because you finally understand the movement of a hand waving goodbye. And it's like, oh, you were just setting up all this nice stuff to say. um, And it always eventually goes away. So bye. Bye bye. (laughs) Goodbye, happiness. Um, This this song is like, again, one of the few songs on this album that I listen to as a mostly formed adult. And I'm like, this is really, really sad. Like to this day is very sad. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it's just kind of like it's like a yearning kind of heartbreaking, like watching good things fly out the window kind of sad, which is like a type of sadness that really, really gets me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, so that like yearning car ride is is a, a painful motif that a lot of artists like to use. And it always just hurts me. It's really easy to see like why this was popular with the age group that it was, given the, oh, yeah. the feelings that it, that it uh, brings to bear. Yeah, like Connor in this song was probably talking... If, if this is anecdotal from his actual life, uh, was probably talking about, like, someone he had a really, like, powerful emotional relationship with who, you know, they broke it off for one reason or another, and he's thinking fondly back. But for teenagers, someone didn't ask you to homecoming, and now you're listening to movement of a hand and being like, I can completely relate. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> Which is so cute. Like, the sadness that I thought I was feeling in high school is just adorable. Oh, it's so different than just like that, you know, that full world consuming dread that we feel now. Yeah, exactly. Aren't you glad that this is going to come out like on election day? Oh, God. (laughs) I'll Um, try to get it out before then, hopefully. (laughs) If it... uh, Everyone listen to Bright Eyes and watch the polls. (laughs) Pokemon (laughs) Go listen to Bright Eyes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I... Just take your psyche and stab him in the fucking chest. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the movement um, of a hand to sign the ballot uh, to go to the polls. <laughs> People, uh, kid, kids these days are listening to the movement of a hand, but they're not <laughs> doing the movement of the hand to put their ballot on the box. <laughs> um, I So this is a little bit of a tangent, still Bright Eyes adjacent. He recently put out a song that is about, like... And for, like, people listening who are sensitive to reproductive issues, maybe skip ahead a little bit. But he put out a song about a really oh, horrible God, yeah, abortion. Oh, yeah, I remember that, hearing about that. Yeah. Um, he put out a song basically about, like, a coat hanger abortion, which I really wish cisgender men would not write songs about. But alas, it's out. Um, and he's, like, donating all the proceeds to Planned Parenthood, which, cool, great. But also, it's, like, sometimes I think that certain musicians who are never going to have the worldly experiences that they are writing about should write their song and put it in a diary and never record it and never put it out and just leave it there. (laughs) And like, he, he didn't have to do that. And I appreciate that he's always been a, a, like political indie dude, because I feel like that, you know, like I, I feel like a lot of people in the indie sphere during the time that bright eyes was super, super popular, weren't really, remarkably overtly political um so it was cool when he released songs like uh when the president talks to god about george bush and like all of that but it's like you are like 40 now i you are very far away from this issue you're probably in a financial place where this is never going to be a concern of yours and it just feels a little yucky to me yeah and it's 
I, I read about that and I just kind of made a face at it and said, well, at yeah, least it's I'm, for a good cause, I guess. I'm like such a, obviously like a huge Bright Eyes fan. So I was like, ah, oh, cool, new Bright Eyes. Not going to read the lyrics, not going to read the caption that he posted on Instagram. <laughs> Let me just jump right to Bandcamp, get my little AirPods on and jump in. And then I got halfway through the song and I was like, I am actually physically sick listening to this. I'm going to turn this off now. <laughs> and it it is the one um, musicians during 2020 election heartbreak that was worse than the Postal Service telling me to go vote. <laughs> God. <laughs> the pain that I experienced. I, I've always said I don't want another Postal Service album. But then when it was right there, I was like, you know, Maybe I could go I for one of those. I could vibe with that right now. Maybe I, could, I, could, I could go for that. Maybe I could go for some having. of Jimmy's funky little noises. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I could have some. And then Ben is like, just kidding. Pokemon go to the polls. <laughs> Christ's sake. Take the like, death cab to the polls. It's like between, <laughs> between that between that and the fucking like West Wing get out the vote election special, it's like the the people who care about these things are the people who are already voting and are already in a position to vote safely. Yeah, and yeah. what I, I decided to cause myself further psychic damage on the Bright Eyes Instagram post by looking at the comments and people were like, Why are you getting political? And it's like I <laughs> they <laughs> People will say that on System of a Down. People just yeah. do not have self-awareness. People will say that about Rage Against the Machine. And it's yeah. like, I, I need you to hear what you're saying and maybe re-listen to some of the music. Who do you think the machine music. is in this allegory? <laughs> the machine is my dad. The machine... <laughs> the machine is a, is a clock and we watch its hands move in the, the mirror. The machine is a mirror and a spindle and a scale <laughs> and water and a girl... And a locket, and, and a noose, and a necklace, and some pills. <laughs> yeah. So I guess uh, see... after all these tangents, we should move on to Arianette. Probably. Yeah. Take my hand, Speaking of girl. Yeah, this one's kind of a us against the world anthem, uh, holding on to like the person you love while the world falls apart, which is really just a metaphor for his own personal life. Yeah, um, the genius annotations on this are a treasure trove. I think that one person said, <laughs> um, trying to pull up the exact wording because I'd really like to know. Um, it might have also been on uh, the classic website songmeanings.com. But I was trying which to figure is, which out which is mentioned in one of the Pitchfork reviews, which I really found. <laughs> I really liked that. Is it really? Like, yeah, it's mentioned. I think in Ian Cohen's review, um, which would make sense because 2012 is when that site was really popular. And I guess uh, yeah. Fevers and Mirrors for a while was one of the most annotated or one of the most uh, commented albums on the whole site. Interesting. Um, so the the one from Song Meaning said <laughs> just that Arianette is his antidepressants, which is <laughs> really, really funny. Um, <laughs> I'm imagining him writing like an Us Against the World song for like his Prozac. I did sing a song about my Venlafaxine um, for an improv show once. Uh, it was very short and I used the actual pill bottle as a maraca. I love that. <laughs> it was see, very I, fun. 
I trust you with that that musical endeavor. Connor Oberst writing a song about running through a cornfield with his Prozac is just the best <laughs> imagery. <laughs> um, and then, while crying, obviously. While crying. While the world's falling apart, he's like, at least I have you. Oh shit, I only have four days left on this prescription. <laughs> um, <laughs> and my and doctor's then, closed on the weekend. <laughs> um, but then Genius says that Arianette is a made-up word and not a name. Uh, Aria meaning song and marionette meaning puppet. And Arianette means song puppet. And then I quote, but there is a Greek joke in there. I reign aret, (laughs) virtue who is always speaks, literally virtue always pouring forth. (laughs) This Greek joke and wolf references in the song are elucidated by the fact that Connor's birthday is February 15th, the date of the Roman fe- festival Lupercalia. Uh, this person's which- brain is fucking huge. This person has a gigantic brain. This is the person who walks into, like, Game of Thrones theory posts and says the moon is an egg. <laughs> um, Arianette is also phonetically similar to Ariadne, who was abandoned by Theseus after she helped him kill her brother, the Minotaur, and whom Dionysus <laughs> later married. By some accounts, she became immortal by marrying up, so to speak. The Ariadne illusion may have more contemporary associations as well. Jesus Christ! Can you guess what the next name is going to be? It's Frederick Nisha. <laughs> 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 Frederick Nisha referred to Cosima Wagner as his Ariadne. Connor may be alluding to her because he has synesthesia. <laughs> that makes sense, <laughs> if you think for, about it. Thanks for this uh, brain quest uh, yeah. anonymous poster. I love this. How does this only have five <laughs> upvotes? I need to like create an account so I can upvote this. It has been marked as missing something by Zinstein. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Zinstein. <laughs> This, this guy is literally Wojak, whose brain has created a hot air balloon and also the basket underneath the hot air balloon in which he is standing and floating around the earth. This is Wojak, yeah, the- like, laying on the couch when his brain makes, like, the couch and a chessboard and another Wojak that he is beating yeah. in chess. Exactly. The perfect um, Mars Volta fan. Yeah. <laughs> and it, the, uh, the last sentence of this harrowing annotation is this can end up being a very personal joke since Mr. Oberst has synesthesia himself. How do you know that? Does he? <laughs> I don't know. I... This is not cited. Citation needed. <laughs> the only thing that's cited is the Roman festival of wolves. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. You know what? I believe it. I'm just gonna say that yeah, that's what it is. Uh, so that yeah. makes Arianette a wolf song puppet with synesthesia. I think the idea of a woman named Song Puppet uh, to sing your sad songs about is like very uh, is very close to the kind of imagery he seems to be going for with this, and that it's like very overwrought and also kind of self-effacing. So literally calling his like his muse of the song Song Puppet would be like on brand for yeah. the song and the See, types that, of songs he's writing. That gives me like flaming that lips part of energy. It kind of works. Yeah. Um He might I, also just think it's a pretty name. I don't think that Connor Ober's self-aggrandizing sadness when this was recorded in nineteen ninety nine was even close to being deep enough to think of Song Puppet. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Much less uh the Roman Festival of Wolves. No. Lupinagia. <laughs> 
That's honestly, uh, that's probably the best of, genius annotation I've ever seen. This is one of, uh, I think, at least three uh, waltzes on the on the album. Uh, it's in three four time, uh, which, according to uh, my friend Caitlin, it was a thing that a lot of Omaha bands did at the time, uh, like Cursive, for example. Oh, that's cute. Cursive, Cursive is the band that the accordion player is in. There you go. I guess all the, the these Saddle Creek bands kind of just shared members for for their recordings a lot. I assume. Yeah. Uh, ju- judging sense. by the credits on these albums. Um, and overall, at the end, it's got that that classic move of including like some random studio background noise, uh, oh, yeah. like shuffling and sniffing and stuff yeah. like that. The random the random studio setup in this album just gets so fun later on. Um, oh yeah. yeah. Arianette. I mean, this one kind of just works into the next song because the next song is recorded like on a single mic, or at least it sounds yeah. like it is. Yeah, it yeah. sounds so. Um, Arianette to me is not a remarkably exciting song. It's not one of my favorites, even if she is this extremely complex Nisha-like character. I it just doesn't <laughs> do it for me personally. Uh, so Maybe, then we move into uh, when the curious girl realizes she is under glass. So that uh, the studio noise that kind of continued off the last track kind of just goes into the start of this one where he starts like, you know, banging on the piano like Greg and over the garden wall. Yeah. Just and like, singing boom, from boom, the boom, other boom, side boom, of the room. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's he sings definitely potatoes like... and molasses for us. Wait, sorry. <clears throat> potatoes and molasses. <laughs> this a... is a metaphor for my sadness. i'm halfway surprised that connor oberst didn't like beg the creators of over the garden wall to put a song in there if if the songs weren't primarily made by like one musical group i'm sure they would have yeah but it was like one group that was responsible for pretty much all the music yeah um but yeah no he seems like he would work the garden wall oberst the garden wall indeed yeah um kids will watch over the garden wall but won't hop over the garden wall to go to the polls (laughs) <laughs> kids um, won't this... go over the garden aisle to talk with the up uh, with the opposing party <laughs> <laughs> reach across the cord the aisle <laughs> we need to shake hands over the garden wall yeah the rose garden wall oh i like it thanks um this song <laughs> kind of sounds like a suicide note like genuinely kind of sounds like a final song so this it does. If we're following the timeline of Connor's despair throughout the album, this is kind of a, a contemplation song where he's kind of like planning for the short future he thinks he has. Um, yeah. He straight up says he wishes for a coffin so clean. Or these trees to undress all their leaves unto me. You know, just, you know, being a corpse in a forest. Yeah, he says, I put my face in the dirt, and then I finally see the sky that has been avoiding me. Um, I think if he had just put his face in some really good, healthy, like, nutrient-rich dirt before he wrote this album, we might not have this album today. Here, Connor, eat some dirt. <laughs> Rub some dirt on it, Connor. <laughs> Rub some dirt where it Rub some dirt on it and get up. 
he went to the the garden center at Home Depot and he was like, "Your finest nutrient rich dirt, please. I have an album to record. I need to, <laughs> I need to tamp the soil, please. Not none of that <laughs> fancy stuff with the nutrients. I don't want those little <laughs> white pellets in there. I just want the I just want the pure stuff. Where I come from, we smoke dirt. <laughs> <laughs> we like stems. We like <laughs> seeds. <laughs> um, That's just I'm, how I grew up. I'm really sad that the Bernie versus Hillary weed memes didn't make a resurgence in 2020 with like it's Biden too bad. and Bernie. I don't know if yeah. anyone else remembers those. That's or the that only example that I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, he mentions his brother uh, and like his brother being in the water and him not deserting him. There's a lot of water in this album as well. Um, I do like how that one comes up later. Yeah. Yeah, that one's fun. We'll also, get to it. We'll get to it. He also mentions the pills that I take to balance my brain, which is Arianette. They're back. Apparently. They're back. We are all. We are all Arianette. We it are all take pills the, to balance uh, our brain. I take responsibility. Yeah, to balance your brain. To balance my brain. Uh, it ends with the sound of a, a phone off the hook, which is a sound that kids these days won't recognize. <laughs> Meanwhile, I was like... I was like looking at my phone repeatedly trying to see if it was like if I had accidentally <laughs> dialed something with my ass. Yeah. Uh, I but had I, not I dialed anything cell phones with my do ass. That. It was in fact coming from my headphones. Yep. It's that gotta good love, production. Gotta love that effective stereo panning. Yep. Kids these days don't recognize the sound of the phone off the hook because they won't uh, get off their phones to hook to the poles. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, <laughs> for the, letting me on your podcast. The telephone poles. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, this song's really sad. Again, it's not like, this is kind of middle of the road for me. I don't feel super strongly about this song one way or another. Like, I like the piano. I like that it's a little angrier. There's like a little more energy. Um, but it doesn't really like super stand out on the album to me. For me, the way it's recorded kind of kills it for me. Um, because like a lot of the... A lot of his voice is kind of washed out in the the real banging that he's doing on that piano. Um, yeah, and I I want and like I, I can appreciate a good lo-fi track. I just don't think the way this one was recorded works for me. But I can see what he's going for. I feel like see, it's so strange to me to see him try to do lo-fi and not do it well because letting off the happiness did it well through the whole album, and so it's like he's kind of trying to like ride that line between like pre- like like fleshed out and more lo-fi and I don't like that he kind of takes the middle ground on a few of these songs and it's like I need you to commit one way or the other because either like either side of the garden wall so to speak would have been great <laughs> but he's right on top of it and it's it's just kind of well, yeah, it sounds like they put the microphone inside the piano yeah yeah <laughs> like that's approximately how it sounds yeah it's hard to pretend to be lo-fi you have to like actually use shitty equipment yeah um, mike, like, mike mogus was just too good at his job at this yeah um halai halai alai halai halai Must be satisfied You offer only one reply You know not what you do But you tear, tear your hair from roots Of that same head You're twice removed Now lock up hair you said would prove I love would never I want 
to start talking about this uh, with the Urban Dictionary entry for Halai. Please do. Which was written by a user called Halai in, <laughs> in 2006. Uh, definition number one is an angsty and slash or emo teenage girl. Uh, definition number two is a girl that breaks your heart. And definition number three is a chant of heartbreak. So uh, the reason so, that I, that I got to this page is because I was like, is this a word? And it turns out, no, it's not. It's not. Um, the I love that because it was totally just some people like listening to the song, having a sleepover, who were like, oh, let's absolutely. make an urban dictionary like <laughs> entry about <laughs> this, which is 100% something I would have done in between watching uh, Fall Out Boy music videos when I was younger. Yeah, exactly. It, it was It was very emblematic of the time. Yeah, I would have been like, okay, I'm going to pause a little less 16 Candles, a little more Touch Me music video with all the vampires, and I'm going to go write an Urban Dictionary entry about a Bright Eyes song, and then I'm going to go back to watching Fall Out Boy. <laughs> and that's basically what I did in high school. Uh-huh. I, I wrote, I, 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 I tremble to think of the Urban Dictionary entries that I wrote. I know there's a couple of them, but I, I don't want to go looking for them. Yeah, same. I actually don't think I wrote any. I'm, I think my friends probably did, but I was never like clever enough to think of something for them we, that would actually we be were funny. definitely just writing in jokes from the forum we were both on into urban dictionary nice um so that's, so that's kind of how that went um i like this song because it's like a total tone shift from the previous song kind of sounds like a come down whereas like curious girl was kind of like angry and like really high energy and up there and like tense and then you kind of get into this song and it almost sounds like something off of an album he recorded later called Casadaga, which I love. Um, I think Casadaga is my favorite Bright Eyes album, partially because Casadaga is a psychic compound in Florida, which is super cool. Um, but I, when I was listening to the song, I was showing it to one of my friends because he had also never listened to this album. And he, this was the point in which he said, man, he is not a good singer. which i think is probably said at least once by one of my friends about all of my favorite artists so yeah i'm desensitized to it at this point yeah understandable i'm i mostly like musicians that aren't good singers and i like that this song is like a little fuller sounding versus the weird thing he was trying to do in the last song it's like just a total like 180 kind of palate cleanser from curious girl um it's like a better balance of like his warbles and his yelling and it's a little punchier. Yeah, we get some good yelling, Connor, on this one. Hello, my name is Connor and I'm here to show you my warbles. <laughs> <laughs> um I like the I like the reference uh when it's saying talking about the words we spoke on freezing South Street that says, No, don't worry, we're not talking about Philadelphia. This is the place in Omaha. <laughs> I like to imagine that they are talking about the one in Philadelphia and they're when they're freezing on South Street is actually just when they're in line for getting a cheese steak at Jim's on at South Street. A cheese steak. Thank you. Um I really like I like anything that starts with don't worry this isn't in Philadelphia. <laughs> um this song is about like Connor realizing that like the girl that he broke up with or who broke up with him probably the same girl referenced in the previous songs are like hanging out with another guy and he uh he's like on the phone with his friend who says i didn't want to tell you this it's just some guy she's been hanging out with i don't know for the past couple weeks i guess and then the image he paints is of him saying well thank you 
hanging up the phone, and then he says, let the funeral start, hear the casket close. <laughs> and I'm oh. like, damn, dude, I need you to tone it down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but like, <laughs> knowing that feeling in my youth, it kind of yeah. does feel like that, though. Yeah, it's uh-huh. just so funny to see it written out and hear it sung by someone else and vocalized yeah. outside of, you know, the gray matter of a teen brain. It's yeah. like I can't, it's, I can't believe you left me on scene. <laughs> yeah, it's like I just love the image of so as it's playing in my head, Connor Oberst is standing at a wall phone. He says, Well, thank you. He hangs it up, you hear a click, he turns to face the camera. Does Jim from Office Face and goes, let the funeral start. <laughs> and then he does like, uh, you know those uh, those Lipton iced tea commercials where they fall backwards into a pool that like suddenly yeah. hears behind, appears behind them? It's that, but it's a casket. And he just does like the Lipton iced tea fall into a casket. And then the Helena music video starts. <laughs> Fuck, I want to make a music video now. That sounds like a really good idea. I think a reference to the Lipton iced tea commercials is what we need in our 2020 music videos. <laughs> I think so. I think we should bring back the claymation brisk commercials. Fuck, yes. Um, I was recently shown the, I think it was, I don't even remember what, like, mediocre pizza chain it is, but there were, like, some rat, CGI rat things that were singing. No, it was Quiznos. It was Quiznos rats. Yeah. Oh, you mean the We Like the Moon commercial? I Yeah. yeah. The little, the, they had, like, human mouths and human uh-huh. eyes. I, was I feel like, like we've talked about this commercial on Tuning Fork before. Yeah, see, the thing is, Chuck, you're you're just really showing how much younger than us you are. Because yeah, those I, are never, internet I never staple. saw those on TV. So my my boss actually was like, oh, remember Quiznos Rat? And I was like, no, no, boss, I don't remember Quiznos Rat. Are you okay? And so she went upstairs with me to the company desktop and searched Quiznos Rat, and we watched every single one that was on YouTube. See, the thing is, is I just, I remember those as the guys from rathergood.com, because that's what they were. Yeah, it was, they, Quiznos got in touch with a guy who made a popular Flash cartoon, and they were like, hey, can we do that? Can we do that um, for a commercial about sandwiches? I just hope that, And like, everyone was confused. I hope that, like, computer historians in the future, without any of that context, find it in the same way that I did, without <laughs> any of the context, and I... I can't even, I was disoriented for the next, like, two hours. Just knowing <laughs> yeah, that this I, is I something that. that aired on television with no previous knowledge of it at all. And just hearing these yeah. little demons going, it's crunchy and toasty <laughs> <laughs> at my place of employment. Do you guys and still then, have Quiznos around you? I think most of them closed. They used to be around like five years my, ago. My hometown is like weirdly into Quiznos in that there's like three of them in what is not a very big city. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it is, but Quiznos just does really well there. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, we're more we're more of a Jersey Mike's town over here. Yeah, that's true. I It's regional restaurant differences are weird, man. California is subway territory. And then I come out here. There's like not really any subways. People mostly think it's yeah. gross, which it is. But then I go to, they're like, yeah. oh, Jersey Mike's is better. And I go to Jersey Mike's and I immediately get food poisoning. And I'm like, all right, cool. Um, <laughs> I, go to Minnesota, I go to Minnesota and I see that there's a chain called Topper's Pizza, but it's not the same Topper's Pizza that we have in Ontario. And I get really mad because uh-huh. they're ripping off the Ontario brand of Topper's Pizza, which has existed since 1982. Come on. Oh. <laughs> Come on, Minnesota. Um, I had to learn what getting caribou meant when I moved out here. I was like, excuse me, <laughs> what the fuck are you saying? And they were like, you know, do you want, 
do you want a caribou? And I'm like, uh, like the, the small <laughs> moose animal? And they're like, no, yeah. it's like Starbucks. I'm like, oh, well, you could have said coffee. Uh, sure, I guess I'll have some of this caribou. <laughs> It's pretty good. Um, I've only been there like once or twice, but there's a yeah. there's a caribou right next to my job that opens at five thirty in the morning, and I usually work at six, so I have gotten caribou a lot recently. And yes. also, having worked at Starbucks in the past, I simply can't do that anymore. No. Anyway, <laughs> sometimes sometimes a, a place will ruin itself for you eternally. Yeah, yeah, it sucks that I'm currently working at a grocery store because I know that it's going to do that to this grocery store. However, I am probably better off without it anyway. Yeah, there's better grocery or will stores, be in the I'm future. sure. There are many other grocery stores. Moving on to the center of the world. In her came to rest upon a beach with a million others there. We sat and waited for the sea to stretch out so that Um, this is another one that doesn't really stand out to me that much. It like yeah. it gets interesting like halfway through, but by the time you really get into it, it's over. Yeah, it just like has a death and then the song ends. Yeah, the real it's... thing that stood out to me about this song was uh, in the background. There's that whispery Macintosh text to speech voice, uh, which like any '90s kid definitely would recognize. See, I it, it's like the Connor Oberst of Macintosh voices. I didn't even catch that because my brain is not wired. Uh, to 90s kid. I, I don't know if I count as one. I was I yeah. was two when the 90s ended, so probably yeah. not. Um, it, it is the one that sounds like somebody is like dying while they're trying to talk to you. Well, yeah, that checks. Um, <laughs> I wrote down lyrics are pills, girls, sadness, all three of these things in a car. <laughs> I also wrote down a big bulleted list of all of the themes just as words. Yep. And I think that's what this song is. Yeah, it's extra whiny, extra defeated, resigned, sad. And then like two minutes in, he's like, you know what? I'm I'm sick of like being a wet blanket. Maybe I'll start like yelling and doing something interesting with my instruments. And then it's like, oh, this this is kind of sick now. Um, why did you save the good part for the end instead of just doing the whole song like this? Yeah. Uh, I, I was the the one theme that I found was uh, not present was mirrors, which uh, really could have tied this all together for me. Yeah, where's the mirrors? Where's the I mirrors? Connor? I could have used a scale in here personally. Um, <laughs> Connor basically says, like, I tried to look up the like annotations and like the song meanings for these lyrics, and there's not really anything cohesive like happening here. Um, and if it is anything cohesive, it's not remarkably interesting. Um, he basically says this girl who I'm calling a statue, probably because she very pretty, uh, turns him into sand (laughs) and then he just joins all the other sand waiting for the ocean to take them to oblivion. And the only meaning I could glean out of that is like, uh, girl dumped me and I just become another ex and I am sad and want to be in the ocean. Goodbye. And that's about as deep as it gets. Yeah. Not as as deep as as the the ocean. ocean at all. Not as deep as the ocean, no. He does have a song called Mariana Trench, so he redeems himself in later albums. James Cameron is down there. I don't know if you, if, I don't know if you're aware of that. James Cameron is always down there. 
You, you don't want to go see James Cameron. It's the worst thing you could find at the bottom of the Marianas Trench. It's true, and there's a lot of weird shit down there. Yeah. Uh, I guess then if there isn't anything interesting about this song left to talk about, we can go on to Sunrise Sunset, which is, to me, a much better song. For sunrise or sunset, your lover is an actress. Did you really think she'd stay? For sunrise or sunset, you're either coming or you just left, but you're always on the way. Towards a sunrise or sunset, a scribble or a sonnet, they are really just the same. To the sunrise or sunset, the master. Oh, this one's cool. I like this one. Yeah, yeah. it's like a. Would, would this be considered like waltz e? I don't really know anything about. Yeah, waltzes it's another. Or... It's another three four time. It uh kind of sounds the like the rhythm a... of it fucking rules. Yeah, it sounds kind of like a steampunk like Ren Fair on fire. <laughs> that yeah, it's really really dense for the first part of the song, and I was going like, there's no way anyone would understand the words to this the first time unless they were reading the lyrics along with it. And I'm like, what would it sound like if a bunch of teens who knew the words to this were singing along to this live? Oh man, like it just sounded like nothing. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely nothing. (laughs) All just um, sound. I don't think I ever knew the lyrics to this song until like two days ago when I actually looked them up. Um, All I ever got out of this was sunrise and a sunset. uh, And just those four words. Yep. And maybe the, like, where are you, Arianette, at the end. And that's about it. You're manic yeah, or you're depressed. Yeah. <laughs> Folks. The two it's genders. Depression. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, manic and depression. You, yeah, sunrise and sunset. <laughs> you hold your sadness like a puppet. It's a sadness puppet to go with his music puppet and his depression puppet. <laughs> maybe at the end he's saying where are you Arianette he's like shit I didn't take my pills this morning like that's why I'm that's why I'm so up and down today I'll just go take those and I'll be I'll be in tip top shape yeah this song like the way he's singing it sounds like he's like a cartoon taking cartoonishly large steps as he sings like through a sad like, he's town like, he's like swaying side to side as he's doing this one it's very sea shanty yeah it's it kind of like yeah. a like a big noodly cartoon like steamboat willy looking kind of thing where the the background looks like it's just on a sphere and it's kind of like rolling behind him as he just kind of sways down the street and he's bouncing in time with the music oh yeah um he says it's a sunrise and a sunset from a cradle to a casket yep the master and the the servant have exactly the same fate Folks, yep. death comes for us all, including Henry Kissinger, including Donald Trump. This is not a threat. It's just, in fact, a fact. It is just a fact. Yeah. And, you it's know, a fact. I will have different levels of excitement for when different people die. And that, too, is just human nature. It's just human nature. For, for some, it may be a party. And for some, it may be kind of sad. But, you know, who's to say? Which which is which? Uh, who's to say <laughs> who I will ultimately get banned on Twitter for inadvertently threatening? Who knows? <laughs> We, we just don't you just know. Have to say, you just have to follow it up by saying, in Minecraft. In Minecraft. Yeah. Allegedly. I'm going to kill you, comma, in Minecraft. <laughs> yeah. Or you can just post it on Tumblr. Or you just post it on Tumblr. It's fucking lawless over there now. It's great. Except for, for <laughs> what they perceive as peepees. Which are Except not for what they perceive peepees. as peepees. They're usually like... You gotta keep those to like, the peepees room. <laughs> it's like a popsicle.
popsicle or like an ear of corn and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa that's definitely peepees. I, I had one image get flagged and it was an image of me holding a bunch of scrambled eggs in my hand. <laughs> that, does, that should get taken down. Yeah, do well, s- the, the caption was, I'm so fucked up breakfast. <laughs> so It was your own personal egg post. It was my own personal egg post, yeah. Um, your yeah, own I, I personal using, egg post. Oh, yeah. I stopped using Tumblr around like 20, <laughs> mm, I want to say like 15. I don't know. Yeah. It just started to get bad to me. That's too late to get out undamaged. It, oh, yeah. yeah I, again, <laughs> I'm baby. So I, my 2012 Tumblr, the height of Tumblr for me, I was a freshman in high school. So I got irony poisoned at like 13, 14. And I've just been living like that ever since. Um, we all have the Joker damage tattoo on our faces. Yeah, we from are that. all Joker damage tattoo. I'm 100 percent uh, Jonker by this point. Yeah, we're all Jonk <laughs> over here. Yeah. Uh, if someone wants to give us a uh, Connor O'Burst, but he has Joker makeup and he has damage written across his forehead, just uh, pop that in right next to the Connor O'Burst <laughs> Shrek. Thank you very much. Can I actually yeah, get at a, Tuning Forecast? Can I actually get two of those? I really just want like an extra. I want to see. I want to see two different interpretations of Connor O'Burst as the Jonker that we know and love. <laughs> yeah, yeah l- there are several different Jonkers. Um, Jonker movies are coming faster than we could ever imagine. Now, eventually, we're going to get getting a Jonker movie every four hours. I can't wait. <laughs> we'll get the double jonker event. Yeah. <laughs> the esteemed double jonker. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and of course, double jonker. <laughs> All right, what are we talking about? Music? Well, yeah, we can move on from Sunrise Sunset, but I think that's like musically and uh, even like the lyrics are basically nothing. It's very just like, it's evocative. It's It gets the people going. It's basically um, like yeah. every day is the same and we're all going to die, including Henry Kissinger, Donald Trump, uh... <laughs> and Let's ourselves see. and ourselves yep. um but yeah no it's like it's very like it's very pedestrian in that way but i think i think it, i like it i like to even, hear it yeah even the cia agent that this podcast is flagged will eventually <laughs> join the rest it's not a threat it's just a fact it's not a threat it's not a threat i'm not a violent man i can't even do a push-up i i'm not a threat at all uh yeah join our discord join our <laughs> join our discord um become the joker yeah um, okay, I am itching to get into this next song because it's my favorite one. It's good. It's really good. It's an attempt to tip the scales. Who's gonna care if we were ever here at all? Well, summer's gonna come, it's gonna cloud our eyes again. No need to focus when there's nothing that's worth seeing. So we trade liquor for blood And in a time to tip the scales I think you Um, so I am throwing I on on Genius it kind of breaks this up between its part one and its part two. I think yeah. of them as one entity. Uh because yeah. I'm going by like the track listings. Um so I think it's only right that we talk about both uh Hydra heads of this song, if you will. Of course. Um, I, the song itself is kind of like, it's a little softer, it's a little more indie. I can't quite put my finger on who it reminds me of. Um, I don't know, it, there's some other, like, indie darling that definitely sounds like this, but I cannot remember who. It is a little bit, it is a little bit microphones-esque. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it might even be, yeah, shoot, I don't know. It's, maybe they all just kind of melt together at a point. 
I was gonna say the shins, but I was like, eh, I don't know if that's quite, like, exactly right. I don't know. Um, so, the song is about a breakup, again. Kind of drinking through it, uh, trading liquor for blood in an attempt to t- tip the scales. Um, Connor Oberst did have, like, a really bad drinking problem, um, for a lot of years, and I believe that carried over into when he was writing this album as well. So, this is a very, like, direct experience that he had with alcohol is kind of like, I'm gonna deal with it by drinking and tipping the scales, as in, like, maybe making it better for a second. Yeah. Uh, who among us has not had the urge, folks? The, uh, the, every single line of this on Genius has an annotation, uh, and I clicked through all of them, but my favorite one was the annotation for They Seemed So Important at the Time, which has a, a picture of, uh, like, a guy with an emo swoop haircut and checkered vans trying to climb upstairs and looking very sad. Oh man, hang on. I'm heading there I now. feel like he's being dragged <laughs> down those stairs by some kind of entity. Um, I, yeah, it's, this is paranormal activity. Yeah. I have those shoes. I wear them you almost have every shoes. day. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> see, the best part about this is that these are outdoor stairs. So he's like getting dragged into a backyard <laughs> and it looks like there yeah. might be some snow on the ground. And uh, this also has one down vote. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Wow. Every line of this is annotated, huh? I never even noticed that. Yeah. It makes me wonder if this is, like, the most popular song from this album. It's, it probably is. I wouldn't say it's because of this first part, but yeah, it probably is. Well, I mean, the second, the second part, um, like, the interview is on its own page for this. So yeah. if it was the second part, then that, that would be covered there. Um, I love the annotation true. on So Close to Dying that I could finally start living with this fucking just took first year psych ass explanation of what manic depressive disorder is. This is also <laughs> typical for a manic depressive person. When you reach your absolute low, rock bottom, you can finally move up, start living again. The closer to dying he gets, the easier it's for him to start living again. And it's like, okay, hmm. fuck off. Yeah, I don't. You know, sometimes the closer you get to dying, you kind of just keep going sometimes. You kind sometimes of just keep getting closer to dying. Sometimes there's not necessarily a bottom. Uh, also, the picture that they included is what appears to be like a rock with veins, which I hate <laughs> to look at. Folks, I'm just saying they got through the bedrock in Minecraft. Uh, it keeps going down. <laughs> yeah, sure does. It's uh, it's all down from here. Um, there is anyway, someone the interview who... fucking whips. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's good. It's really, really good. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you read this in the Pitchfork review, but Connor Oberst is not the person talking as Connor no, Oberst. Absolutely no. not. It is someone doing a very a very funny impression of him. It's uh-huh. so, so good. Uh the song ends and it basically cuts right into this like fake radio interview. Um the it's like quote unquote Connor Oberst, who is actually Todd Fink of uh the band The Faint, which is also based in Omaha. So yeah, these guys did just all run together forever. Um, and like a radio DJ who is an actual DJ. Um, and it's just so good. It's basically this guy, Todd Fink, just, just taking a piss on Connor Oberst and calling him a whiny little baby who wants attention. Yeah. Having this here inside the album makes it seem like, uh, bright eyes are more down to earth than they present (laughs) in the rest of the album. And it's all, I mean, it's very funny because the, the inner, the pitchfork reviewer for the first review just took it at face value. Yeah, yeah he hated did it. not catch that it was fake. <laughs> and he hated it so much. It's like like the the radio interviewer calling him a genius. Like he didn't seem to suggest 
at least that it was like you know a skit which it is like this is just a skit <clears throat> like that's yeah. what's here um but he he was like taking it as if they were like you know not making fun of themselves which they clearly are the uh the first interviewer or the first reviewer on pitchfork said um I simply cannot stress enough what a maddeningly self-indulgent mass of pseudo-depth this section of the album falls into. In this sickening chunk of narcissism, Oberst makes a laughable attempt to prove to his listeners that he is of a penetratingly deep intelligence by spouting strings of stale aphorisms that pass for rich understanding amongst those amongst those reluctant to have original thought. Fuck. Yeah. Thank this, you, this thank reviewer... you, Holden Caulfield, for your Pitchfork review. I can't believe they just called him a phony. (laughs) (laughs) He said my hat was stupid, so I called him a phony and asked him where the ducks go. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it it very much reads as like this 20 year old reviewer is is mad that this other 20 year old is acting in a certain way. Well, yeah, it's like it's kind of funny because it's like um, the, the reviewer very much takes himself too seriously. Like that's just that's that's true throughout the entire review. And like. When I was 20 years old, I probably took myself too seriously, and I took the stuff I listened to too seriously. Um, Yeah. But he almost seems like... Well, it's like, he doesn't even imagine that Connor is not taking himself that seriously, and that's why he takes it all at face value. Yeah, it never once crosses (laughs) his mind that, like... That's why he misses the point so hard, is because he has this idea that, like, that's that's his starting point, is this idea he has of Connor Oberst, that he doesn't even, like stumble onto the idea that it's a joke especially because you could literally hear connor oberst heckling saddle creek records in the background in the yeah, fucking, like, in the stereo pans the moment that you realize it's not even connor oberst who's speaking as connor oberst the joke is just immediately clear and it's immediately <laughs> extremely funny and i think that it would not have been nearly as funny if connor was talking about himself the fact that it's not even him is like genuinely a super funny thing on yeah, this album i love Parts of this interview that I love particularly, um, where the interviewer ta- asks him about Arianette. I'd prefer not to talk about it in case she's listening. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize she was a real person. She's not, but I made her up. <laughs> oh, Genuinely so she- fucking oh, so hilarious. she's not real? Just as real as you or I? I don't think I understand. Neither do I, but after I grow up, I will. I mean, you know what? A lot of things are really unclear for me right now. And then, <laughs> no, I'm serious. My brother drowned. My mother drowned one every year for five consecutive years. They are all named Patrick, and that's why they only got one song. It's kind of walking out a door and discovering that it's a window. <laughs> the, uh, How do you hear that and not think it's a joke? <laughs> Connor goes, "How long have you been working here?" The radio interviewer goes, "Oh, just a few minutes." Now you mentioned empathy for others. Would you say that motivates you to make the music that you make? No, not really. It's more a need for sympathy. I want people to feel sorry for me. I like to feel the burn of the audience's eyes on me when I'm revealing all of my darkest secrets into the microphone. When oh, I was yeah, a kid, that he, that he whispers that. <laughs> when I was a kid, I used to carry a safety pin around with me everywhere I went in my pocket. And when people weren't paying enough attention to me, I'd dig it into my arm until I started crying. Everyone would stop what they were doing and ask me what was the matter. I guess, I guess, I kind of like that. Really, you're telling me that you're yeah. doing all of this for attention? No, I hate it when people look at me. I get nauseous. <laughs> <laughs> he is fact, a Twilight character. In fact, I could care less what people think about me. <laughs> um, yeah, this is very much like Bella Swan energy. Yeah. Yeah. And um, then, of course, they go like, uh, so you're going to play something for us now. Is this a new song? Yeah, but I haven't written it yet. Since what I've been meaning to write called a song to pass the time. <laughs> um, the one thing... <laughs> that I really, really like about this interview, aside from the fact that it's, like, it's the only, like, 
brand of humor that gets away with fitting in this album. I don't think anything else yeah. would have passed. Like, he couldn't do a funny, silly song. Like, this is the only thing, because it's, like, right along that vein of self-aggrandizing sadness. You're moving into self-aggrandizing, <clears throat> like, but, like, self... I don't know. I guess it's, like, uh, what is the word? Self-deprecating how humor. Much of this, how much of this do you think was written versus how much was just straight-up improvised? <laughs> I really, I really genuinely think a lot of it was improvised. Because these are all, like, yeah. Yeah. It really, it really has Like, that this has to be... Connor energy, which is so funny because that means he's genuinely like this. <laughs> um, um, but I, I really liked, like the only. It's sorry. Go ahead. I really like that he ends the interview by saying, or ends like the Q and A part of the interview by saying, "I really just want to be this warm yellow light that pours over everyone that I love." I, that line has like stuck with me for a really long time, and it's super corny, but it's kind of like the most prominent nugget of this whole album uh, that teenage me holds on to, and is like, "That's." Really nice. I like that a lot. Yeah. I also think, like, the very tone of this is the only place that is going to get away with an emo kids cutting themselves joke without me, like, immediately groaning. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Because it's, like, it's not like a... I don't know. He's like, yeah, well, it's, it's speaking like about a... like the imagery. It's speaking about the pe- the ideas people had about Connor, right? Like, right. of course, he's a little bit like this, but if like it's he, they're embellishing it for a reason, right? And just the idea, like, I'm glad that they went with like I just like poke myself with a safety pin versus like I do something horrible and violent that you know people right. with suicidal ideation are actually prone to do. It's more of like a, I do this thing that I know is not genuinely going to hurt me, but it's enough to get me to cry so people would look at me, which like. Who among us has not done something like that as a child, at least? I don't yeah. know. I would do yeah. dumb stuff. I would, like, follow my... <laughs> I would be throwing some kind of tantrum. My mom would get up and leave the room, and I would immediately stop crying, compose myself, walk into the room she was in, and fling myself onto the carpet and start screaming again. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he goes right into Song to Pass the Time. Not touched anything at all And the cars in the driveway only multiply well, They are lost in their houses I've heard them sing in the shower Making speeches to their sister on the telephone Saying you come home, only you come here Don't stay so far away from me This weather has me wanting Which I really enjoy it's a good album yeah, closer, I think. I do like this one. It's very like the suburbs are dehumanizing me and everything is clean and pristine and has no personality. Yeah, I um the the part that really gets me on a deep personal level is will have locked my actions in the groove of routine so I may never be free of this apathy. And I'm like, uh oh, I have OCD, uh oh, <laughs> I feel this. <laughs> That's also just what capitalism is. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the the whole like locking your sadness into a routine that if maybe you could just get yourself to break a routine would at least loosen it a little bit is a very real uh, helpful thing to recognize. So it's I don't know. This kind of surprised me that he was even this um, self-aware one at 20 years old and two in the midst of what is otherwise just such an overly dramatic album. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, as someone who just quit a terrible job, let's hope. Um, yeah, I would love, I will hopefully be joining you in a few months. Here's to uh, pursuing things that we care about. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a fan of that. I like the uh, 
but I wait for a letter that's coming to me. She sends me pictures of the ocean in an envelope, so there's still hope. Yes, I can be healed. Um, it's nice. It's This song is the one actual, genuine glimmer of hope in this whole album. And it's, it's Good spot a, to put it. It's a nice thing to put at the end, because mm-hmm. I think it would be... I mean, it, it, I wouldn't be surprised, but it would be kind of a different album if they had put another sad, hopeless song right at the end. Even yeah. though this isn't entirely, you know, happy, it is at least I, I see a light somewhere that, you know, someone can love me, I can be healed, things can be better, I know how I can get there, and I recognize that maybe everyone is kind of in this boat with me of, you know, the apathy of routine. Um, yeah. If it was a happy song, I don't think it would fit. Right. No. <laughs> Not just, at all. Just hopeful. It also falls into the pantheon of songs about themselves. It's the song about a song. Yeah, definitely. So all I have for the moment is a song to pass the time and a melody to keep me from worrying. It's some simple progression to keep my fingers busy and words that are sure to come back to me. And they'll yeah. be laughing. My yeah, mediocrity. It's such a funny fucking way to end the album. <laughs> it's like, I I don't know. I, I feel like this he is like... He burst his own bubble. He spent the entire fucking album inflating it like a Mario, Part mini, Mario Kart Party minigame. Mario Party. And then he just went, Whoop. My Mario yeah. Part... um yeah and it's kind of like a (laughs) this it feels how i feel because the album's like under an hour it's not a very long album so to have all this dramatic build-up crammed into about 40 minutes and to have him end it with like you know i think i'm actually gonna be fine i'm just gonna hang out it's like <laughs> I'm just gonna fucking vibe. It totally yeah. feels like how I feel to this day when I have like a minor anxiety breakdown and I have to go lay in bed for a little bit and then someone's like, "Have you eaten anything?" and I'm like, "Ah, oh, shit, no, I haven't." And then I eat a sandwich oh, and I'm it. like, "You know what, guys? I think it's gonna be okay." And it's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where you're when you're in an anxiety spiral and then you just go to sleep and you wake up and you're like, "Okay, I'm good." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like anxiety heel turn and it's really really like it's always been so funny to me even when i'm the one experiencing it i'm like this oh, is yeah no it's definitely well it's like once you once you get into that that the, the post-anxiety spiral you always feel like oh that was a bit melodramatic huh yeah you like go just on. Ended the, <laughs> like what if you just ended the album like you know like classic um end of two-headed boy part two thing where he like gets up and walks away from the from the stairs and then you just hear just like slightly panned stereo left someone being like, that was all a bit melodramatic, huh? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's basically what he did, but he did it in the song. Well, and it's funny anyway, I'm because... looking forward to hearing this song because he hasn't written it yet. Yeah, it'll be really good when it's done. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this seriously, like this whole album just feels like that very specific kind of like the world is fucking ending. We are <laughs> we are fucking under attack. Type of feeling that you get in like early, early adulthood when you're like, oh my God, I like, I don't, it's always over something that in hindsight is just really silly. Like being like, oh my God, I have to call out sick because I'm actually sick and my boss is going to be mad. And then you go through all the feelings of this album. You convince yourself no one will ever love you. And then you fucking get up and eat breakfast and you're like, you know, I can be healed. There is hope. Maybe I'm good yeah. enough to go to work today after all. Right. You know, I'm just going to be late. It'll be fine. I just need to stop for a McDonald's breakfast sandwich and I'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that Ian Cohen even mentions that in his, like, nine-point review. He says, in the thrall of fevers, 
sometimes these are the kind of things that do feel like the end of the world for at least an hour. And yeah, that's exactly... I really like the phrasing of at least an hour. Yeah, it's like... Yeah. That's, you know, it, it is valid to have a one-hour uh, world-shattering anxiety event and then get up and realize that you just hate your job. <laughs> yeah. So that's Fevers and Mirrors. Uh, and out of the whole thing, I'd say probably my favorite song is The Calendar Hung Itself, uh, just because I really like the instrumentation and, uh, like, the introduction of that specific Connor voice. Yeah, I think that's that's the one I was most familiar with uh, originally because I think Caitlin put it on a playlist that she sent me at one point. Uh, and this is after she applied um, all the album art for this album was replaced by an image that she saw on Tumblr called Bieber's and Mirrors, where it's just Justin Bieber's <laughs> face in the middle of the mirror. And that, of course, is the one that was sitting in my iTunes library afterwards uh, because it was attached to the playlist. Oh, that fucking rules. Yep. I love that. <laughs> so it's, it's Bieber's and Mirrors to me. Remember when Justin Bieber was a funny meme? Yeah. Oh, sure Now do. he's just yeah. some guy. It's just kind of now like a, a tragic story of some guy. Yeah, just yeah, a tragic story Yeah, he's just a man who kind of sucks now. Yeah. yeah. It's um, a shame. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think the, the album does, it works as a whole. Um, I don't know if I'd rate it as high as a nine. Yeah. Because like, I enjoyed it, but I don't think I enjoyed it that much. So I, yeah. for the, for the sake of my teen I, I, self. I don't have the teen's emotional connection that you have. Yeah. Right? I, so hearing this for the first time as a 29 year old. So, yeah. <laughs> so a lot of my, um, connection to bright eyes definitely comes from like, I'm walking to high school, listening to like Lua and I'm thinking about a boy who's never going to like me type of thing. And it's like, I just have such a fondness for that iteration of myself that I, feel bad about the rating that I give it as a 23 year old but I would like this for me would land at like a I don't know like a seven maybe yeah I I like it I think the nostalgia factor definitely plays into that rating too but I I don't know just don't tell like 13 year old they don't need to yeah I think it I think it's a very well produced album I think it does yeah I think with the tropes of heartbreak in like emotional man music it has far less misogyny um which is a breath of fresh air yeah I'm not going to say none, um, because there's a lot of, like, kind of, you know, that kind of woman on pedestal type mis- misogyny, where you're not considering someone as a complex person. Um, yeah, that there's definitely, there's definitely some songs about, like, uh, like, will you He did refer me? to her as a statue. He called her a statue. <laughs> he, like, like, wanted her to fix him. Like, I think he said that at some point, like, I need you to, I don't know, something about fixing me. Uh, hate to hear it, but other than that, it's like, I don't know. I've never been a 20-year-old man, but I have to assume that is one of the, not entirely unharmful, but one of the less harmful assumptions that someone who is in a weird yeah. place in life who has very little, you know, romantic experience might, like, might view a, a woman that way. Right. Yeah. I think he should just get a GF, personally. Yeah. He should, like, he he should simply should move try on. try getting GF. Like, he, we get it, you have no GF, and you just need to stop writing songs about having no GF, and maybe write a song about getting a GF, and then get a GF. Has he considered simply just getting a GF? I think yeah. that a GF would, you know, do a lot of good for him. What if the album was just called Fevers and No GF? Fevers and Mommies and Mirrors. <laughs> uh, yeah. When I was 20, I was already dating the person who I ended up marrying, so... Yeah, the the 
that that part of it didn't really click with me. Fair. Fair and healthy and good, and I'm happy for you. Thank you. Woo! You're welcome. Um, I don't know, Matt, do you have, like, a favorite? Did you have a favorite? Um, probably Sunrise Sunset. It's good. Just because I, I like the, as I said, I like the rhythm of it, and that it's, it feels like a cartoon um, sea shanty. <laughs> in the way that its rhythm moves. And, it's, you know, just songs with evocative, but mostly, like, just imagery-style lyrics are just, like, that shit that I love, hence being super into Neutral Milk Hotel. Yeah. Neutral uh, Milk Hotel's really good. And I think that it works on the same axis that uh, some Neutral Milk Hotel songs. Yeah, I, I think it's super interesting um, hearing, like, what both of your favorites are, because I feel like... I kind of categorize the songs in this album into like a more abrasive and more soft category. Most of them fall into one of the two. And I feel like both of the ones that you chose would be more on like this, the abrasive end. Whereas like yeah. teen, teen me was very attached to the softer end. So that's kind of where my, right. Yeah. We, we both said early on that we're, we're the bigger fans of loud Connor. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Although um, I do a far better impression of quiet Connor. <laughs> well, you haven't tried Loud Connor, but it is nighttime, so that may not be yeah. wise. That is like a full throat yell kind of impression. So maybe <laughs> I might that's have a, to go outside and do it. Maybe that's a daytime activity. Um, I really like movement of a hand. I like the I like the way he says painted porcelain. Um, the soft kind of smoother voice, but I really like. I don't. I feel like um, attempt to tip the scales is kind of a given as just like a favorite for the interview part as well. Yeah. <laughs> so attempt to tip the scales is kind of in its own category for me because it's so fucking funny that I can't even like, I can't put anything against it because whatever I put against it will lose. Like I, right. I ride or die for Connor Ober's friends making fun of him for five minutes straight. So <laughs> and him putting it on the album on yeah, purpose and like dragging Saddle Creek in the background. And laughing. Um, so attempt to tip the scales aside, I think the movement of a hand is my favorite. Nice. Yeah. It's good to know that people, it's good to know that jokes that uh, were funny 20 years ago are still funny today. Yeah, I think that, yeah. that over over dramatic, sensitive guy making fun of himself will never not be funny to me. Yeah, um, yeah it's pretty good every time. I think anyone who is a very sensitive person making fun of themselves is funny to me because i'm a very sensitive person who likes to make fun of themselves it helps what can i say yeah it is funny anytime anytime that julian coster of the music tapes and neutral milk hotel like makes an actual joke i like i pog so hard it's so good (laughs) he did a live stream earlier today as we're recording this and it was very pleasant yeah um it was very a very funny when he when he said that he it was like i know what the internet is or something like that something to that effect um, yeah. because people like to imagine him as some kind of woodland creature. Uh-huh. I like that. Which, uh, like, he kind of puts that out himself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that Sufjan Stevens has a Tumblr. That's really I do <laughs> love his Tumblr. <laughs> Papa Molly Get Jolly <laughs> in South Beach. In New South York Beach. is but a dream to me now. <laughs> I think that's, like, listening to Sufjan Stevens and listening to, like, Carrie and Lowell and then going and looking at that post will just absolutely <laughs> break your neck from whiplash. Yeah. <laughs> like, a, listen to Death with Dignity with his Tumblr open and just descend. Yeah. <laughs> just lose it. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, that's 
to, he uses his music to get out all those feelings so he can shitpost on the internet and be happy about it. <laughs> and then put yeah. life I mean, is abundant all... at the end of every post. It's a mix of like, Papa Molly get jolly, and then like, you know, Jesus really walks with me through everything that I do. <laughs> and I'm really just grateful for his abundance and light. We're all his light. And then it's like, New York is but a dream to me now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, do love Sufjan Stevens. That's why the first episode of this podcast was Sufjan Steven. Yeah, yep. I was so. I mean, happy that's also that just the one that Stephanie that one. wanted to do, but you know. Well, Age of Odds yeah. is killer. It's a good album to me. Um, my like, I sometimes put that on on my drive to work, and I like barely even make a dent in that album before I arrive. And I, oh yeah, I li- I live thirty minutes from where I work, so you know, depending Whenever on the was- song, <laughs> that might be one song. Whenever I was in a class that I hated, I was just um, listen to Impossible Soul twice. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice to measure things in Impossible Souls. Yeah, measure things in Impossible Souls just makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. When the part of the song comes by that says, don't get distracted, you're like, fuck you, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> you're like, I'm not, I'm listening I to Impossible Soul. I did very much soul. end up dropping out of university, so... Yeah. I mean... I think that dropping out of college is one of the most fun things you can do. Animal Collective told me it's It's one of the okay. best decisions you can make in your entire life. Yeah. Uh, Animal Collective yeah, told Animal me I don't Collective have to go to college. Animal Collective was right. And I don't. Yeah. And here I am, uh, working at a grocery store. <laughs> and here I am, unemployed. Yeah. Hey, but we have a, yeah. we're doing fun, fun things for our friends online. And that's what we're really podcasting, matters. folks. Yeah. It is. You don't, you don't have to go to school to be a podcasting fool. And I live by that. <laughs> that is the rhyme. I live and die by the podcast rhyme. The podcasting well, credo. <laughs> the podcast rhyme of the ancient mariner. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> um, thanks for letting me talk about bright eyes. Yeah. Uh, where can uh, people find you online these days? What are you up to? Um, I don't say my Twitter on podcast because I don't do anything really relevant there. However, uh, my Instagram, I do visual art. And you can find me at cisgenderman. Uh, just both <laughs> words squished together. If you want to read it like cisgenderman, you can, because that's how I read it in my head, too. Um, it's like Slenderman. Yeah, cisgenderman. Yeah. <laughs> it's cisgenderman. <laughs> um, the joke is that I'm not. And that's where I post yeah. my art. That's pretty much it. You also have a podcast. I do have a podcast. You're right. Um, I do a Twilight podcast as well. Um, I... In trying to be good on my friend's podcast, I get nervous and forget everything about myself because I'm thinking about Connor Overs. <laughs> um, You're valid. Yeah. I do a Twilight podcast yep. called Live Free Twi Hard. It is a Twilight watch along podcast. Um, we are currently on, we're about to put out uh, part one of movie two. We do two parts for every Twilight movie. That's going to be 10 episodes, folks. And I have to watch every Twilight movie <laughs> in the process. So... In order to make me not feel like doing this to myself is in vain, I need you to listen to it, please. Please listen to the podcast. Please, it's because if I if I do all of this and nobody listens to it, uh, I will become the Joker even faster, and I'm already on a pretty quick track there. Um, <laughs> and like I said, Gary is an extremely good editor. Gary is amazing. Jameson is amazing. Michael is a little scoundrel. We have a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Hell yeah. We have a really good time. We... Do talk about cum. Uh, please don't listen around your mom. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be a noise space podcast if you weren't talking about cum. It's true. Uh, it's true. We talk about cum. We make uh, jokes about not liking cops. Um, 
And Again, <laughs> a mandatory presence on a noise space podcast. Yeah, yeah. It, it's good. We talk about how Jasper looks like he's getting his dick sucked. It's it's real raunchy and a real good time. Um, Woo! Yeah, so find me there. Uh, I'm Matt. You can find me on Twitter at MattGCN. Um, this is really the only podcast I update anymore. I'll probably get back to the other ones at some point now that I've quit my job. Uh, but we'll <laughs> see. I, I run the shebang at, at noisespace.xyz, which is the website on which you could find all of these mentioned shows so far. Um, and including some new shows, we have a show that is uh, our, our friend Roy, who was on our Mars Volta episode, reading creepypasta called Nana Roy's Nightmare and Era. Um, it's so good. <laughs> it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful new, new podcast that has just started. And um, Sarah and Kay, who is new to the network, Sarah, Sarah, who's been to the network the whole time, pretty much, and then Kay, who is new to the network, have started a new podcast called Special Grade Snacks about an anime whose name I did not write down. Um, but it's, that is uh, that's, Jujutsu. It's Jujutsu Kaisen. It's, yeah, full, it's a the, Full Metal Alchemist. No, that, <laughs> we five grams of iron is not on the network. <laughs> yeah. But no, that, I didn't that, say brotherhood. that podcast, uh, that podcast by Brooks and Eddie, uh, friends of the show, who will, I'm going to try to get at least one of them on here eventually. Um, yeah. They just finished Five Grams of Iron and are starting a new podcast about sports anime, um, which I'm very excited to listen to because they're going to be watching Haikyuu for season. Five Grams Hell of yes. Iron is so good. It's so good. Uh, I'm David. You can find me on this show, uh, which you can follow at, at TuningForkCast on Twitter. Um, I do a podcast uh, very occasionally called The Stick, which is about Homestar Runner. Uh, I want to do another episode about that soon, so if you're listening to this and you know anything about Homestar Runner, uh, hit me up at, at There the was Stick literally Pod. just a new tune, so... Yeah, there was, about uh, Halloween, uh, where Coach Z dresses up as... Uh, as Dell the Funky Homo Sapien from uh, the Gorillaz music video for Clint Eastwood. Um, and uh, you can find me uh, elsewhere on Twitter at, at Daves with three Vs, like Waves, a funny landlord. Like the funny landlord. Um, it's kind of... I, I don't like that there's now a second funny landlord, Hannibal Burris. I don't like that people might not know <laughs> what we're talking about. Like, who, who of the two we are referencing when we say funny landlord? Yeah. I personally hate to see it. <laughs> well, the, the thing is that less people should be landlords, and then we won't have this problem. Well, I just think it's, it's wild true. that both uh, Mr. Waves and Hannibal Burris don't have real jobs. Yeah, what the <laughs> fuck? Yeah, get a job. Personally, I'm extremely surprised that Waves doesn't doesn't like working. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so out of character for him. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for bearing with the fact that I'm a little goober who doesn't know how to do an outro and letting me talk about Bright Eyes today because I know more about Connor Oberst than I do about podcasts. And I'm Thankfully, we do have a standard outro. Uh, like we always say, I had never seen a shooting star before. I had never seen a shooting star before. I'd never seen a shooting star before. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.